edition of With All Due Respect. Strong opinions on politics, life, and entertainment. Welcome to another episode of With All Due Respect, the podcast that believes what we have here is a failure to communicate. Greetings, I am your host, Andrew Halcrow, for this informative and sometimes random podcast. With me, as always, is my main man, Van Sanders. Mr. Sanders, how are you this fine episode? I'm doing all right. Looking forward to a sunny weekend and getting some work done. All right. As always, I would like to thank the Anchorage Daily News for hosting this podcast on its platform and remind listeners that the very strong opinions you hear on this podcast are mine and mine alone and in no way, shape, or form represent the opinions of the Anchorage Daily News or their employees. Today on With All Due Respect, we feature a communications-themed episode. In politics, we take apart a recent op-ed in the Anchorage Daily News by Governor Mike Dunleavy and highlight how he is gaslighting Alaskans. In life, staying with the miscommunication theme, I'll share a personal experience where the failure to communicate leads to a mutually beneficial education. And finally, in our closing comments, we hear from local journalist, podcaster, and my man Jeff Landfield on the craziest thing he witnessed this past legislative session. Spoiler alert, it's more miscommunication. But first, let's talk some politics. In our last podcast, we reviewed recent public opinion polling concerning Alaskans' feelings about the governor's PFD proposal. Within those poll results, a stunning number of Alaskans had no idea of the economic damage and the extent the governor's proposal would do to the economy. Now, I was going to say that incompetence on behalf of the governor's communication team wouldn't be a stretch. I mean, think about it. How can 67% of Alaskans be unaware of the specifics of the governor's plan after an intense and illegal campaign to sway the public? In order to understand this better, we need a history lesson. Yo, Van, give me some of that straight-up historical context, fact-seeking funk. A history lesson. Over the last three years... The office of Alaska Governor Mike Dunleavy has spent thousands of dollars in public money on advertising campaigns to urge Alaskans to sign petitions for larger PFDs and to cap state spending. However, those petitions never existed, which is what a 2020 ethics investigation revealed. Instead, the ad campaigns were used to collect Alaskans' names and contact information for the governor's office. As a result of the investigation, Governor Dunleavy agreed to reimburse the state $2,800 his office spent that violated Alaska ethics barring partisan political activity. The investigation centered around a social media campaign launched by the governor's communication team that attacked some of his opponents in the Alaska legislature and boosted some of his allies. Since then, the governor and his communication team has spared no public expense, pushing the governor's dividend proposal on social media. So, after years of interviews, speeches, and illegally using taxpayer money to influence Alaskans, how come so few Alaskans know the actual specifics of the governor's plan? Is this an indictment on the governor's communication team, appropriately named Beavis and Butthead by critics? Uh, (laughs) that social media post was cool, Beavis. (laughs) Or is this a case of them intentionally underselling the public info on their plan? 
According to a recent poll, 67% of Alaskans are unsure what the governor's proposal is, and when told the details, 63% of Alaskans are in opposition. So just how many Alaskans are unaware of Governor Dunleavy's proposal? 72% in Anchorage, 62% in South Central, which is the governor's home court. 63% of males, 70% of females, 78% of Democrats, 69% of Republicans, 61% of nonpartisans, 63% of undeclareds, all are unsure of the governor's proposal. They're unaware. And then when they were given the proper details, they're all like, what the hell is this dude doing? So why the epic failure to communicate? The reason is Governor Dunleavy and his communications team have spent their entire focus on beating the hell out of lawmakers who oppose the governor's plan. They've done nothing to educate their supporters other than bullying, glittering generalities, and grave omissions. And the reason for that is they can't afford for their supporters to know the specifics. They cannot afford for their supporters to know that the governor's plan will cost a billion dollars in new taxes. They just want Alaskans to feel the anger. They don't want Alaskans to know that this would constitutionalize $1 billion in annual deficits. They don't want Alaskans to know that the only way to pay for their plan is through a billion dollars in new taxes. Yes, you heard me. Ladies and gentlemen, there are no further questions anymore. The billion-dollar budget gap will be paid for by taxes on individuals and business, period. How do we know that for a fact? We now know that for a fact because of Governor Dunleavy's own actions. Look, part of the debate over the governor's plan is how the $1 billion deficit that his plan creates would be filled. Will it be taxes or budget cuts? Is it $500 million in new revenue, which would be taxes, or is it $500 million in budget cuts? Ladies and gentlemen, the governor just answered that question clearly and concisely. Last week, Governor Dunleavy vetoed $200 million out of the state budget, which he said, quote, cut no existing state employees and eliminated no existing state programs. This, ladies and gentlemen, proves he cannot find any more big cuts to make. None. In fact, he went to great lengths in his press comments to say his vetoes didn't cost one state employee their job, which means if there's no more room to cut out of the existing budget, the only option left on the table is to fill his budget gap with $1 billion in new taxes. Lots and lots of taxes. Meanwhile, speaking of communication malpractice, this week Governor Mike Dunleavy published an op-ed in the Anchorage Daily News defending his budget cuts and his dividend plan with a level of intellectual dishonesty that would make Edward Bernays blush. We've picked out the top three most egregious claims by the governor. First, Governor Dunleavy claimed, quote, it's a budget that significantly reduces spending by just over $200 million, but ultimately threatens no jobs or programs. This is the governor's use of semantics to the detriment of the economy. When he says his vetoes ultimately threaten no jobs or programs, he is referring to state employee jobs. His vetoes didn't eliminate any state employee jobs. But what about private sector jobs? Did his vetoes eliminate any private sector jobs? Yes. In fact, hundreds. Governor Dunleavy walked away from $100 million in capital spending, which would have created hundreds of private sector jobs that would have circulated new money into the economy. And as far as the assertion that his vetoes didn't cut any programs, he vetoed 62% of the funding for the Alaska Legal Services, whose clients are predominantly victims of domestic violence. Now, since the state of Alaska doesn't provide attorneys for domestic violence victims in civil lawsuits, which means Alaska does not provide state employees to help domestic violence victims in civil lawsuits, the victims must turn to organizations like the Alaska Legal Services Corporation for assistance. 
Figures published by the Governor's Office of Management and Budget show state funding for the corporation will drop to $311,000, which is less than what it received a decade ago. But yeah, no jobs were lost or programs threatened. Just hundreds of private sector jobs in the capacity to help 400 victims of domestic violence. The second thing Governor Dunleavy wrote was, quote, these reductions were carefully targeted at money that was added by the legislature. Ladies and gentlemen, Governor Mike Dunleavy is the governor of a state that has the highest rate of violence towards women in the country. In the country. But he vetoed $400,000 for domestic violence services while approving a $200,000 grant for the Anchorage Curling Club. Allow me to repeat myself. According to the governor's, quote, carefully targeted budget cuts, he awarded the Anchorage Curling Club $200,000 while he vetoed $400,000 to provide legal assistance for roughly 400 victims of domestic violence. And finally, Governor Dunleavy suggests lawmakers who oppose his proposal to, quote, Tell that to the single mom of three as they toss her crumbs with the lowest PFD in history. Now, one thing I will always give Governor Dunleavy ultimate credit for is his intellectual dishonesty. He runs a mean game of gaslighting, probably one of the best I've ever seen in politics. First, let's start with the basis of his proposition. Governor Mike Dunleavy has lost all rights to ever invoke a single mother in any public dialogue again. It was a single mother of two who was sexually harassed just 10 steps outside his own office by his disgraced former Attorney General Kevin Clarkson. I mean, the creep hounded this poor woman for drinks, hugs, and kisses for over a month. The victim told HR she was afraid she was going to lose her job during a pandemic. Here was a ultimate superior trying to hit on her. The governor knew. He did nothing. It even helped cover it up until the press broke the story. But now the governor who did nothing while his creepy attorney general was harassing a single mother of two right outside his office door wants to invoke the single mother of three in order to gaslight Alaskans and to make his point. Let's be honest and let's set the record straight something Governor Dunleavy seems incapable of doing. The House and Senate majorities passed a dividend of $1,100. The governor's surrogates in the House voted to reduce that amount to $525. Then, a few days later, the governor reduced it to zero. So, governor, how about you man up for once and you tell that single mother of three that you and your surrogates took an $1,100 dividend and turned it into zero. That means instead of having $4,400 this fall, she will have zero because of you. Zero. Then, governor, tell that to the senior trying to make ends meet. Tell that to the local business owner who benefits from PFD spending. Tell that to the local municipalities that factor in the PFD when calculating sales tax projections. And then, after digging himself into this dividend hole, the governor asks, where is the outrage? Where is the outrage? Sounding like a six foot four Norma Desmond. I didn't get smaller, the dividend got smaller. But the governor is right. Where the hell is the outrage? Where's the outrage that Governor Dunleavy's surrogates gambled Alaskans out of $770 million in dividends? Instead, settling for $350 million in dividends, which then the governor vetoed because he thought the amount was a joke. Yes, the governor is absolutely right. Where is the outrage? From $770 million in approved dividends to Alaskans to zero. From $770 million in direct economic benefits into the wallets and purses of Alaskans to zero. This all rests in the lap of Governor Dunleavy and his conservative surrogates in the legislature. There is no plausible deniability now. The opening offer was $1,100 that they could have taken and walked away from the table and provided Alaskans with $770 million in direct economic benefits. 
that dividend of $1,100 would have been $192 more than Alaskans received in 2020. It was a raise. But the House Minority Republicans negotiated it down to $525. And then Governor Dunleavy negotiated it down to zero. From $1,100 per person and $770 million injected directly into the economy to zero per person and zero dollars injected into the economy. Ladies and gentlemen, for the first time in almost 40 years of uninterrupted dividends, there is a real possibility Alaskans could get shut out this year. So for Governor Mike Dunleavy, he better hope the House majority saves his ass. He better hope the House majority, the same people that he and his comm teams have been publicly attacking for the last year, he better hope that they pull his sorry ass out of the fire, a fire that he and his crew of conservative House Republicans have set. Or, for the first time in almost four decades, Alaskans' bank accounts will be empty in October. Ironic, a governor who conned voters into thinking he could pay the highest dividends in history is on the verge of becoming the biggest punchline in dividend history. And now, let's talk about life. All right, let's talk some life. I have two amazing daughters, both brilliant, both millennials. The other night, one of my daughters was visiting and we were watching the movie Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Now, full disclosure, the podcast loves My Fair Lady, Mary Poppins, and Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. So we are well into the movie when we get to the scene where they start singing and dancing in the candy factory, right? You probably remember the scene. There's Caractacus Potts and Truly Scrumptious singing, dancing, swinging about the racks of confection, accompanied by two dozen employees of the Scrumptious Candy Company dancing about the factory floor, singing Toot Sweet. Now, I don't know why I said it out loud, but at the crescendo of the Toot Sweet song, suddenly I blurted out, okay, but please tell me at what cost production. Now, at first, my wife and daughter were like totally caught off guard by this very random comment and outburst. But no sooner had the silence cleared when my daughter broke into chapter and verse about the history of musicals and their cost of production. I was stunned. It was truly an impressive brief history on the cost of musical productions throughout Hollywood's history. Musicals were big in the 30s and 40s, but then fell out of favor in the 50s due to changing viewer taste and high cost. However, in the 1960s, spurred on by the success of three musicals, My Fair Lady, Mary Poppins, and Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, musical productions looked like they were going to return. But a string of flops meant by the end of 1960s, musical productions had again fallen out of favor and were deemed too costly to produce. So... After hearing this fascinating history of musicals in Hollywood and the challenge of production costs, I was silent for a minute. I mean, I personally was like, wow, this was some serious learning I was just dealt. But then I said, wow, that, you know, that's absolutely amazing. But what I was talking about was the production costs inside the factory. I mean, seriously, first you have two dozen employees on the clock dancing around the factory floor, none of them wearing protective gear, contaminating dozens of racks of sweets that now have to be disposed of. That's a loss of productivity and product. Next, you have employees swinging off stairways and catwalks, which are workers' comp claims begging to be filed. And finally, there are a significant amount of both insurance and OSHA violations, visitors in restricted areas, the lack of safety training or equipment, and animals in a sterile environment. I mean, I can only imagine the liability costs of this scene. Totally dead silence. <laughs> My daughter sat there staring at me in bewilderment. Ladies and gentlemen, what we had was a failure to communicate, but what we received was a mutual education of the various production risks. Now I know the production risks of Hollywood musicals, and now my daughter knows the production risks of the scrumptious sweet company. Palette.
closing comments, we finish out our guest commentaries. Over the last three episodes, we have introduced you to three independent Alaska political journalists and asked them to share their craziest story of the 2021 legislative session so far. Today, we finish up with Jeff Landfield, who writes a blog and hosts a podcast entitled The Alaska Landmine. Jeff says the craziest thing so far of the 2021 legislature is the minority holding the effective date hostage. Landfield writes, the minority holding the effective date clause was probably the loosest thing all session because they couldn't articulate what they wanted. This is a great take by Jeff. The minority either couldn't or wouldn't articulate what they wanted. And we all know why. They want supersized dividends that will cripple Alaskans with new taxes. Yes, a billion dollars in new taxes. However, they don't want to have to explain the one billion dollar new taxes part out loud. There's the music, ladies and gentlemen, and you know what that means. Remember, new podcasts appear on Monday and Thursday. You can subscribe to us on any of the major platforms, or you can catch our entire history of podcasts on the Anchorage Daily News website. Van, how about your website details? Thanks, Andrew. Yeah, if you visit abodabobrand.com, that's A-B-O-D-A-B-O-B-R-A-N-D.com, you can see a little bit more about what I do, and uh, touch base with me. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is our time, and we thank you for yours.